All right, let's get right to it. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. Hello, 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 church family. As a church, we get a, the privilege of celebrating uh, uh, and having this opportunity to celebrate different Christian holidays. And, and we are right in the midst of this season of Christian holidays. There, there are a couple really important, uh, uh, to Christianity, a couple of really important holidays. Like right off the top of my mind, Christmas comes to mind, right? Jesus being born. And then uh, this season that we're in right now has three really important ones. You think of Easter coming up. And that's the Super Bowl of uh, Super Bowl of Christianity. It's the most important day on the Christian calendar. But right before that, two days before that, is Good Friday. That one's really important. And the third, which we're celebrating today, a week before Easter happens, is Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday is sort of gets that reaction. You know, Easter gets like, yeah, Christmas is like, woo! There's lights and stuff and presents. And Palm Sunday, and you're like, oh, yeah. That one, my my daughter was like, yeah, that's when Jesus goes in the town or something, right? And I was like, merber. So uh, Palm Sunday is like the stepkid of the like night of the family, you know, like no one really likes it, but it, it's really important. So I, I've prepared a message for you today called Jesus's Life, and I want you to consider two questions. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the two questions, and they're not gonna kind of connect to each other at first, but just stick with me for the whole day today. I, I want you to consider these two questions this morning. First question, are you giving Jesus the praise he deserves? And second question, are you taking hold of life? So the first question, are you giving Jesus the praise he deserves? And the second question, are you taking hold of life? So two weeks before Easter, so a week before Palm Sunday, some things were happening in the area of Jerusalem, A.D. 33, when Jesus was around. A friend of Jesus's named Lazarus, he actually died. Now, Lazarus had a couple of sisters, and they, you might have read them in the Bible. Their names are Mary and Martha, and they're also friends of Jesus. And uh, after Lazarus dies, Jesus actually has a plan to, lay, uh, to raise Lazarus from the dead, to demonstrate again that he has power over life and death. But Mary and Martha don't know that his plan, that's his plan. And so Jesus actually waits around a little while, and then Lazarus dies. He could have gotten there earlier and healed him when he was sick, but he didn't. He waited for him to die. And so Jesus shows up. He's planning to raise Lazarus from the dead, and, and he eventually does. But before that happens, Lazarus's sister comes out, and she meets Jesus, and she's sad, and she's crying, and, and Jesus has this conversation about life and death with her. And then uh, at the end of the conversation, Jesus tells her this. And then after this, he's going to go raise Lazarus actually physically from the dead. Here's their conversation. It ends this way. Jesus says to her, he says, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she's like, yes, Lord, I, I believe that you're the Messiah, that you're the son of God who has come into the world to save the world. And so this is Jesus' promise over and over in his ministry that he is the resurrection and the life, that he has come to save people, that he has come to draw them near to God, he has come to provide salvation for them. Jesus is life. In him alone can eternal life be found. Now, we say this a lot at church, but it's important enough to revisit often. There is no pathway to life without Jesus. 
Christianity is unabashedly exclusive in this claim. And then Jesus proves that claim by then going raising Lazarus from the dead. So when this happens, if someone literally got raised, I mean, he had been dead for a few days, like it had been three days he'd been dead, and then he gets raised up. If that happened, you would go crazy if you saw a real person get raised from the dead after they'd been in the tomb for a bit. And the same thing happened there. People go bananas. Like Jesus has already been gaining in popularity. He's been teaching for three years now. And people are, they're, they're starting to get, you know, like things build. There's a momentum building and, and it's sort of crescendoing. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes and it's, it's the time of Passover. Passover is going to happen in just a couple of weeks here for the Jews. And he comes in and he raises a dude from the dead. People go bananas. They start to go like, what is going on? This really is the Savior. God's coming back to earth. This is going to be the end of all things. That's what they thought. They didn't realize he was saving from sins. They thought he was saving from Romans, from the conquerors. And so there's this huge buzz around Jesus and in Jerusalem. And Lazarus lives in Bethany. And because we're so geographically sound, you're like, oh, wow, Bethany's about two miles from Jerusalem. And so he's in Bethany. He raises this guy, and over the next week, word gets to them. Now, the Greek Orthodox thinks it was actually just one day before uh, Palm Sunday. They think it was Saturday, yesterday. But other scholars think it's about a week, neither here nor there, in a very short minor time. On Palm Sunday, Jesus is wrapping up his ministry time. He had just raised Lazarus, just recently from the dead, and he enters into Jerusalem. Now, remember, everyone is hyped for this. They're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And and there are people praising him and worshiping him, and they're waving these palm branches, and they're laying their cloaks and the palm branches on the ground, and he's traveling in like, like a red carpet kind of thing. And they're shouting phrases like, Hosanna, and blessed is he in the name of the Lord. And, and he rides in as a king, peacefully entering to the applause and the joy of his people. Palm Sunday ushers in the final week of Jesus' life. We call it Holy Week. By the way, we are doing that uh, Holy Week devotional all all week long as a church, so starting today. So QR code that or bring that. And and we're joining in one heart and spirit as we, we dedicate this kind of week, the most special week in our Christian holiday, to really focusing our hearts and eyes on Jesus. So you can... Do that physically with a copy or through the Bible app or go on our website. There'll be a link right there for it. Anyway, Jesus continues to speak poignantly on the subject of life. And Palm Sunday is where Jesus' declaration that he is life becomes crystal clear. It's the day that he takes the applause due him as the author of life and the bringer of salvation and life for each of us. Let's see Matthew's account of Palm Sunday of this event. In Matthew 21, he records it this way. As they approached Jerusalem and they came to Bethphage on the mountain of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And then a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others, they were cutting branches from these palm trees. Other gospels tell us they're palm trees, and they spread them on the, on the road. 
the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed, they started to shout, not just like, hey, 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 but you know, they're like, like a rally shout, like a, like a Angels game shout or Dodgers game, if that's your flavor. They're shouting these things, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest of heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred up and they're like, what's going on? There's people screaming and they're like, there was a dead guy, he's raised, oh my gosh, he's the Messiah. And these are Jewish people know about the Messiah, and they're like the Messiah, and they're like, oh, people are freaking out and running around, and and there's like like craziness happening right here, and they're like, who is this? And they're like, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And then Jesus enters the temple courts, and he starts driving out people who are buying and selling there, and he overturns the tables and the money changers and the benches of those who are selling doves, and and he's screaming out this. He's like, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you're making it a den of robbers and, and the blind and the lame. They come to him at the temple and then they're getting healed right then. Boom. And everybody's watching all this. This is the Lazarus guy. This is the guy. This is the Jesus. And blind people are like, oh, I can see now. And the guy who couldn't walk, he's like, I can walk now. And bananas. Uh, and when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting in the temple, they, they were shouting, Hosanna in the son of David. They were indignant. Hmm. Indignant's a bad word. They, they were like mad <laughs> that people were getting healed and they were the Savior was coming. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yeah, Jesus says. Haven't you ever read? From the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise. And then he left him and he went out to the city uh, to Bethany, back to Bethany, where he spent the night. That's Palm Sunday. Jesus enters Jerusalem as a king, but a gentle and loving king. Not as a, not as a conqueror, not as a punisher, not as a, a lording it over, but, but riding in on a donkey, bringing sight and the ability to walk, healing, love, kindness, and life to people. And he receives worship that is due only God because he is God. He is the Savior, the Messiah. The people were shouting out, Hosanna, which means God save us or, or God saves Palm Sunday is the beginning of the end of Jesus' ministry in, in his physical ministry here on earth for his first coming. And the whole point of all this isn't actually for Jesus. Normally a king goes through a whole bunch of uh, ceremony and has people worship them for the benefit of that king. But the whole point of this is for us. Because before Jesus came to earth, he was already the king of the universe. He was already God. He already had life and was life. But he came here for our benefit. He came to bring us life. On Palm Sunday, Jesus ushers in the final stages of providing life for us. His life for ours. And this elicited incredible praise from people, jubilant, rejoicing from his followers that life had come. And so we come to our first question that I mentioned earlier. Are you giving Jesus the praise that he deserves? Are you giving Jesus the praise that he deserves? See, in our passage, the people hailed him as king. They were shouting out. They were moving around. They were, they were responding to him both in a vocal and a physical way. Is that our response to Jesus? Do you respond to Jesus in a vocal and, and physical, 
praiseworthy way on a regular basis. If not, this may mean that you may need to modify your praise of Jesus. Perhaps, though you're a really quiet, shy, introverted person by nature, perhaps you need to go against that nature and shout praises to Jesus, to, to be singing out loud to Jesus and not allowing your own, that's not my nature, to be an excuse for not worshiping Jesus full-throatedly. Perhaps it means that you even have a little movement. I mean, these people are laying down their cloaks. They're cutting tree branches down and waving them around. I'm going to say, you don't have to bring a flag to church, but, but, but maybe like a little, maybe one of these, maybe a double, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe, a, maybe something that, that, that indicates that, that you're actually interested and excited about this king. We're like, oh, King Jesus, you're so nice. Like, maybe there, there's, maybe we need to look a little bit more like Palm Sunday folks and a little bit less like our, our regular folk self. But it isn't just in the few minutes of official praise that we have each Sunday morning. Are you giving Jesus the praise he deserves in all areas? and at all times in your life. When you get an award for doing great at work, or a job well done, or a promotion, do you praise Jesus privately and publicly out loud? Maybe you're so Christian, you, you just really do it privately. That's awesome, good job. But then do you also say, this promotion is because of the Lord Jesus, and they're like, oh, it's Jesus person again, you know? When you've got really good grades, or you have a really good brain, or, or, or you got a single, or you won your match, or, or whatever you did in school, do you praise Jesus for those, both internally and externally? When you praise Jesus and proclaim Him as King of your life, I would say that if I, I had to raise a hand who proclaims Jesus as the King of their life, I would say the majority of our hands would go up, but is that true? Is it true that he is the king of your life? Are your words matching your reality? Do you ask him about decisions that you need to make? Do you include him in your struggles? Do you talk to him about your choices? And do you bring him along on your daily life? Or is Jesus only king of a few moments on Sunday morning? You see, Jesus needs to be king of your everyday life. All of the time. And it's this really great treat that we get to worship together on Sunday mornings. But I pray that is not the only time that you're worshiping Jesus as king of your life. So back to our first question. Are you giving Jesus the praise he deserves? Not just on Sunday mornings, but at all times throughout your week and your day. On this Palm Sunday, let's commit to think about and to maybe move forward toward the idea of not only worshiping Jesus as king, but actually making him the king of our lives. So a few days later on what we call Good Friday, which we're going to celebrate right here, uh, this Friday at 7.30, come on out, Jesus reiterates again that he is the pathway to life. Here's what Jesus says just a few days after Palm Sunday. He tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told I would have told you that I am, uh, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me and, and you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place that I'm going. And Thomas was like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I've been telling you, I'm the way. I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I just shared this, this actual passage a, a week or two ago at a funeral for a young man who had died at age 38. And I shared it because it's the hope of every believer, and that young man was a believer. This is the hope that we have, that Jesus is the way to life. And there's no other way except through him. Now, we don't want to speed through this because this is Christianity. It's the hope that we possess. This is the hope we hold on to in our time of difficulty. This is the hope we hold on to in our time of blessing. And this is the hope we hold out to those who are struggling and hurting. I think about this world and, and the need for hope right now is astounding. There has never been a greater need in my lifetime for hope than now. Because if you look around the world, it looks hopeless. I feel, uh, I think our young people, you know, I know some of them are in service right now. I think that you guys have got it tough. You've got a lot of pressure. It looks like there's systemic racism everywhere. It looks like the environment's going to collapse. It looks like diseases like COVID and, and a new one comes out every week is going to kill you. It looks like uh, violence is everywhere. There's hate against every single group and everyone hates everyone. And, and it looks like there's all sorts of stuff that is not hopeful. Why are people depressed and anxious and hurting right now? Because they look around and the world looks totally jacked up. And that's the beauty of Jesus, even in a jacked-up world. There is hope. And that's the hope that we have for ourselves to hold on to, but also to offer to others. So that you, as a believer, young person, you're, you're not dumb, useful, useless. Like You're not a, a drain on the planet where like it would be better if you weren't alive. None of that is true. Jesus loves you, and, and he gives you hope for an eternity, hope for real life. So our second question says, are you taking hold of life? Have you made the decision to follow Jesus, to ask him to give you a place in heaven? If you've never asked Jesus to give you life, or you've never given your life to follow Jesus, today's the perfect day to do that. If you're sitting in this service and you're hearing that, and like, I need some of that hope. All you got to do is simply tell him that you believe he's the only way to heaven and you accept his free gift of salvation to you. Once you do that, you're guaranteed by God to be with him in heaven, not because you are good enough, but because his sacrifice is good enough. We see this idea over and over about life in the Bible. Check out a few more verses on this. In Romans 5.18 it says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. In Romans 6 says this, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And John says it in 1 John 5. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. But whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life, life fulfilled is found in Jesus and He gives the choice for every one of us to receive that. On Palm Sunday, we remember and we celebrate the day that our Savior rode into Jerusalem to give His life so that we could have life. And we each need to live in the gift that Jesus gives us. So our second question, are you taking hold of life? If your answer is, yes, Pastor Sam, I've taken hold of eternal life, then I say, awesome, now live it out. Eternal life has to affect our regular life. Eternal life informs my everyday life. I need to live in this reality moment by moment. Are you taking hold of this precious gift of life that is given to you every single day? And we do so because we know we have this hope. See, I wake up tomorrow knowing that I have a chance to live an incredible life that day. God doesn't promise any more moments than the one that I have. But I have this hope that I can live this day joyfully. I can live it in a blessing to another person that I am valuable in God's eyes. And I can navigate my life with hope because Jesus gives me eternal life. And then he provides for my life right now to cherish the moments of life here on earth, but not to get obsessed with them, rather to be obsessed with everlasting life. See, the true life which King Jesus rode into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago to bring to us. So it comes actually back to worship again. Once we realize our eternal life is secure and that our present life is a gift, then it's going to cause us to give praise to the one who deserves it. So see how our, connection, our, our questions are connected? We give praise to Jesus. Am, am I giving praise to Jesus like he deserves? Only if and only if I have received eternal life from him and then I'm living in life as he wants me to do with the hope that he has. Then I can give praise back to him and I give praise back to him because I have eternal life. You see, it sort of cycles back like that. We are reminded of these truths here on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a wonderful day. It's not the rejected step kid, you know? We're reminded of praise to our good Savior, Jesus Christ, and we make him king of our lives. So we begin Holy Week together today. We're remembering the triumph of, of the coming of our Savior and King, Jesus. We're placing him as the king of our lives and looking forward to life both eternal and we're looking forward to life tomorrow and the rest of today because we have a hope that the world doesn't have. We never need to be discouraged or put down or held down or feel the pressure of that because we have a hope that's different than the world's. We have a king worth praising who has given us eternal life. And we praise him for that promise. Jesus is life. We're going to, as one people, stand together and we're going to worship Jesus right now on this Palm Sunday and giving Him the honor and the praise that He deserves. And, and even if you're a person, I want to encourage you to sing it a little bit louder maybe than you normally would. And even if you're not a hand raiser, maybe do a halfsy right now. Maybe, maybe do a double if you dare. 
on this Palm Sunday where we celebrate the coming of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our King.